Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and welcome to Monday morning. Uh, We're officially only uh, 14 days away from Christmas morning. And uh, I hope, I hope you are all ready. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready just for the Christmas day, just for the quiet and the, well, it's not going to be quiet. It's going to be music, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be excitement, and it's going to be wrapping paper tearing and good food and family and uh, wrestling with the dogs, and it's going to be just a fantastic day, and I can't, can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing, and I hope you uh, are all ready as well. As we wind down towards Christmas, we, uh, we're going to do our best this week to... Um, to kind of, uh, you know, pull back on the reins and make it a little, make it a little, uh, uh, mellower to kind of make it more of a slice of life and, uh, and, uh, you know, not make it quite so, uh, make it quite so, uh, contentious with all the political stuff and everything else. So, uh, tomorrow will probably be our only day of real old political grab bag because we're going to do, uh, uh, we're going to do uh, Brad Keithley. He's going to come in with a weekly top three. Uh, the following week, he will be doing the Christmas top three. And so we're going to do top three, but it's going to be Christmas oriented. Because next week, there is no, it's, there is no politics. There are There is no spoon. It's going to be just uh, me and you, Christmas memories, holiday discussions, favorite things, I'm I'm turning the I'm turning it up to eleven when it comes to uh, Christmas and holiday stuff next week. Um, also, uh, next Wednesday, the twentieth, will be my final day of broadcast for the year. Um, I will be going into Christmas hibernation uh, starting on the twentieth. Uh, that'll be my last broadcast day, and then you will not see me until the second of um january which will be uh tuesday is that right tuesday the it's yeah it's the second whatever it is yeah it's tuesday so i will be here on the second of january to hang out with you and uh then we can turn the politics back on full blast and because i mean it'll be right around the corner at that point right that first show in fact will also be a brad keithley weekly top three and at that point we'll have um we'll have some insight into the governor's budget and uh, all kinds of stuff because the session will be starting on the 16th 
Uh, so we'll be we'll be hot and heavy and deep into that. But in the meanwhile, we're going to lighten things up. So starting off with that today, this morning, we're going to be talking with Dr. Greg Hammer here in hour one in just a few minutes, about 10 minutes or so, about how to beat the winter blues. It should be an interesting and fun discussion. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to talk with him <clears throat> about all the ways that we can uh, about all the ways where we can meet you know make make winter better. That's uh, it's going to be kind of a fun it's going to be kind of a fun thing. We'll talk about you know what is it about winter that makes us feel a little blue or burnt out. I mean I'd like to know. I mean I'm <clears throat> I'm feeling a little uh, I feel that burnout that winter burnout. And we're going to talk to him about, you know, recommendations for what it is and, you know, how do we do it? What is sad? Can we, you know, what is sad a real thing, which is the, the light and the seasonal affective disorder? We're going to talk a lot about that. He is a Stanford University physician and a mindfulness expert. So Dr. Greg Hammer will be joining us. Then in hour two, uh, Cindy uh, Bertram is going to be joining us. She is a cruise expert and she's going to explain to us. Why cruises are the bestest, the the best, why why they why they are the bestest thing ever, and we'll talk to him about that here in uh, or talk with her about that in hour two. Um, I've never been on a cruise, but I've always been um, I've always been interested in jumping up on a cruise and uh, um, and 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 trying it out. I I don't know. We'll. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what's happening uh, now. Uh, before we get too far, uh, winter storm warnings. Oh yeah, they're all over the place, man. Including a blizzard warning uh, for the Matsu, which is should have just now ended. Uh, it was from last night until six o'clock this morning. The wind, baby, was ripping around here. Now, not much snow. But winds gusts up to like 60 miles an hour. Uh, so lots of lots of high speed winds, lots of blowing snow. Uh, there were power outages um, across the valley. I kept seeing the little reports from Facebook that people had lost power. Knock on wood, we've been doing okay here this winter, so I'm I'm okay with that. Um, but that is uh, that is coming, and even apparently some power outages down on the peninsula. As uh, as well, <clears throat> and it was there's there's a lot of snow. There was more snow going on here. We got about uh, I don't know. We got about six seven inches of snow over the entire weekend. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be fun stuff. Um, and uh, but more snow is inbound. And today in the South Central area. It's expected to be snowing and it's 32 degrees. I mean, I just, you can't, you just can't get away from it. 32 degrees for a high today um, with snow, a uh, chance of snow about 60%. And then uh, tonight, a chance of snow before midnight and then more snow after 3 a.m. And then tomorrow, more snow. Uh, high is not quite as high, so it's not going to be up near freezing, but, uh, it's going to be another one. And then Tuesday night, more snow and then Wednesday, more snow. And then Wednesday, you get the picture here, right? I mean, every day and night for the next seven days, it says snow or snow likely. So 
I have a feeling <clears throat> we're going to have a little bit more. It's going truly going to be a very merry white Christmas. So I just, they're prepping us up for it right now. Getting, getting all ready. Um, well, I got some stories here that I thought I'd throw out there that are not necessarily political. I, I will say that briefly that I am finally excited on something that the city and municipality of Anchorage is doing down there. Here's what the headline says. <clears throat> and I don't know if somebody's been listening to the show or not, but it kind of sounds like it. Anchorage city leaders look to Houston's homelessness effort for solutions. Uh, what if Anchorage could reduce the number of people experiencing homelessness in, in the city by more than half? A housing system in Houston, Texas, has done just that. A hyper-coordinated effort between service providers, city leaders, private businesses, and philanthropy has reduced the homelessness by more than 60% over the last decade. And Anchorage city leaders and service providers in recent days met with a group of homelessness response leaders from Houston to learn how they pulled that off and how to use similar strategies here that might work. What have I been saying for the last two years on this program? If you want to know how to handle it, if you want to know, you go to places that have already done it and you figure out what they did. I mean, some good news. I think that is some uh, that is some excellent, excellent news. And I'm excited to see what uh, I'm excited to see what can come out of that. Uh, there's a whole story about this. Uh, Emily uh, Goodkunz uh, over at uh, the ADN has got a story up on it. If you want to read that as well, it's a good <clears throat> it's a good shot to uh, to do it. Um, if you've been <laughs> if I don't I, I have a hard time saying this with a straight face, but if you've been missing your Alex Jones fix on <clears throat> on Twitter, he's back, baby. He's back. Alex Jones of Infowar fames had been banned from Twitter for life, permanently banned by Jack Dorsey, the previous, uh, you know, the founder of Twitter. Uh, and uh, it was because of some of his behavior and everything else. Well, Elon Musk uh, ran a survey last week. Um, and by the way, Jones is extremely popular, even with his band. At the time he was banned, he had some 900,000 followers. Today, even though his account has been frozen for five years, he has even more. He has almost 50,000 followers more than when he was banned. Anyway, last week, Musk ran a survey asking users, ex-users, if they wanted Jones reinstated. And approximately 70% of those who responded were in favor. So by Sunday morning... Elon Musk posted on his account, the people have spoken, and so shall it be. And he was reinstated. Now, I mean, he is got, <laughs> let's just put it this way. He has been ordered to pay $1.1 billion in defamation. One point, that's with a B. $1.1 billion in defamation damages to the families of the Sandy Hook shooting and uh, and uh, and other things. Um, so I don't know. He's People must be excited. That's all I'm saying. People must be excited about it. So, so be it. Congratulations for him to do it. And finally, uh, Mariah Carey's hit from 1994, All I Want for Christmas is You, is arguably um, the most successful, well, 
Um, I, I don't think they took into account White Christmas because that is the most popular song of, I mean, of ever. Anyway, um, it's arguably the most successful holiday song uh, from an economic standpoint. And uh, it's uh, pretty interesting. The AP does an analysis of the song. Um, it has reached number one on the Billboard's Hot 100 chart for the past four years in a row. Um, and it's reasonably assumed that this year is going to be no different. One expert predicts it will soon exceed – that song itself will exceed $100 million in earnings for that one single song. Even its ringtone has sold – millions of dollars worth of ringtones. Um, the uh, David Foster, the Grammy-winning composer and producer, said, it, the song is just embedded in history now. It's embedded in Christmas. When you think of Christmas right now, you think of that song. I mean, I don't, but I can see how. I mean, it's still it's in the lexicon there. It's st still in the lexicon. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty good song. Although there are stories... There are stories of uh, the, hit, the song has become so omnipresent that the Wall Street Journal wrote about retail workers driven absolutely crazy by how many times it comes on in their stores, including one uh, worker who retreats to the stockroom every time he hears the distinctive opening bells of the song. I mean, you just got to tune it out at some point. I mean, maybe the Geneva Convention will declare it to be cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, they do that with music and the thing, right? I mean, it's just, ooh. all right. Well, that, uh, that's fun stuff. I, I'm, I'm loving it, baby. I'm loving it. We ready to go, uh, talk about how to beat the winter blues. I am. We're going to figure it out here. Dr. Greg Hammer is going to be our guest. We will continue in just a moment. It is the Michael Duke show. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays to all of you. Oh, I forgot to, I got Christmas music. I was going to, all right, we'll do that on the way back. How about that? Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Oh, Jeannie has said her power was out for almost six hours last night. Oof. Man. Um, hope everybody have a great weekend. Uh, 36 degrees. <laughs> it's like 33 here at the house. Rick lives down the road from me, and he's got like 36 degrees down in his neck of the woods. I mean, this is just going to be nutty. This, this, the drive-in is just going to be absolutely bananas. Oh, man. Uh, good morning. Well, good morning. Uh, it's going to be a good old-fashioned Washington winter, says Jeannie. Possibly. Possibly. 
Good morning. Cindy says, uh, good morning. Lots of opportunities this week to be kind and to remember what we're thankful for. I'm all for it. Again, we're ditching politics this whole week. We're moving all into kind of the slider, the, you know, slice of life, lighter side stuff. Um, and next week, it's the only I'm only on for three days and it's going to be Christmas memories and great music and favorite foods. And it's going to be all the thing. And now Bill just said it's hammer time. I'm sure he's never heard that before. It's hammer time. <laughs> Speaking of Dr. Hammer, he is now I see him. He's in the green room right now. So we're going to go check in with him here in just a hot second. I just want to make sure. Um, Chris, this is, this is how it's going for Chris. We had about a foot of snow this weekend and today it's raining. Yeah, I know. It just gets better. Doesn't it? Jason says he loves cruises, lots of foods and things to do. Um, I did cruise out of Whittier, but that's not a cruise cruise, Brian. I mean, come on. That's like three hours. I'm talking about like, I want to go to the Bahamas. I want to be on the boat. I've never done that. I think that sounds like fun. And can we talk about the gay frogs again? I mean, if you really want to, feel free. Roar to the water. Turn to the frogs. Get... I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, is crazy is crazy. What are you going to say? All right. Um, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's I, I guess I've gotten through all the comments here. Let me get things ready. We're about two minutes from rejoining the radio here. So let me uh, let me bring the man of the hour onto the program and we'll get started. Dr. Greg Hammer joins us this morning. Good morning, doctor. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderfully. Another beautiful day in California. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> probably a little warmer than it is here. I mean, it's only 29 degrees here. So it's, you know, it's uh, snow and rain and snow and a little more rain and then some snow again. So it's uh, it's all good. Uh, definitely, definitely great. Are you all ready for the holiday season? Yeah, I keep it pretty low key, so I'm I'm doesn't take that much for me to get ready. Okay, well, good. Well, I mean, I you know, I thought you were going to say because you always keep Christmas close to your heart, so it never it never takes much to get ready. But it's all good. We're ready to uh, we're ready to uh, celebrate around here as well. It's uh, it's that time of year, about this time of year, and this is why it's great to have you on because, um, you know, it it. About this time of year, I run out of gas. I mean, I'm just like, I don't want to talk about another news story that has anything that I only focus on state politics. I don't deal with the national stuff because that's insanity. But even here, just the local state stuff, at some point, I'm just like, I'm done. I, I, I just feel wore out. My batteries are, are flat. You know what I mean? And so maybe you can help us with that. Maybe you can give us some insight into what needs to happen there. So. I'm kind of excited. Well, I don't know if uh, I don't know about you, but um, you know, I'm I'm somebody who's very sensitive to ambient light and especially natural light. So yes, when these days are getting very short, and many of us are going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark and not getting outside in between, I think things get a little bit blue, as it were, not the sky, but our mood. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that when we get kind of sad for whatever reason, but in this case, we call it the winter blues. We're prone to getting a bit off track. Our sleep yeah. hygiene uh, deteriorates. We are All right. Well, hold tired. on. Hold on. Don't, yeah. don't, don't share everything with me here. Cause we're 10 seconds from rejoining the radio. So hold the, hold the line here. We're going to get right back to it. Dr. Greg Hammer is our guest, the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, like, share, subscribe, follow, ring the bell, do all the fun stuff. Here we 
go. Okay, welcome back to the program. Yeah, see, I found the holiday music. It was hidden in there somewhere. Ready to go in now. Let's uh, talk about uh, let's talk about the winter blues. Doctor Greg Hammer, professor at Stanford University School of Medicine. He's a physician, a best-selling author, a mindfulness expert. His book is Gain Without Pain: The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, and he's here today with us to talk about. How to gear up against the winter blues, which I mean, I'm, I don't feel blue necessarily. I just feel I'm just like I'm tired. I just don't even want to do this anymore kind of thing when we're talking about certain topics. Dr. Hammer joins us this morning to discuss. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Michael. Great to be with you. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Uh, now, we here in Alaska have a very unique perspective on the winter blues. Uh, I'm originally from Fairbanks, which is up in the interior of the state, and my wife and I were just laughing yesterday because I now live down in uh, in Wasilla, which is about 50 miles north of Anchorage. And uh, But in Fairbanks, we were laughing because we were looking at the reports. The sun went up yesterday at 11.07 a.m., and it went down at like 2.58 p.m. yesterday uh, <laughs> for just under four hours of daylight. And we're like, boy, we're glad we live down here because we get almost another 90 minutes of daylight down here kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's a real deal, though, right? I mean, the 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 sad, what they call the seasonal affected disorder and the lack of a, Somebody said the other day that every person who lives in Alaska has a severe deficit of vitamin D. It's almost it's a guaranteed at this point because we just don't see the sun. It's a real thing, right? Oh, yes, it is. In fact, uh, let me first, Michael, distinguish between the winter blues and seasonal affective disorder uh, or sad. Sad is really a more severe form of the winter blues. And really, if people are having difficulty functioning, they're not sleeping, their appetite is affected, et cetera, then I would recommend that they get some counseling. Uh, winter blues is a much more mild version of that. And I think to some extent, we're all afflicted. I think we all have a little bit of a tendency to be negative and a little bit depressed. Uh, anyway, especially given what's been going on the last several years in the world. And so I think, first of all, we're not alone in that. I think our brains are wired to have a negativity bias and to have a hard time being present. And, and the present moment is really where happiness lives. So we all have a tendency to be a little bit unhappy and a little bit down. And it's worse in the winter. And I think the the reasons are several. You mentioned that you're sort of low on patience, perhaps, and a little higher on fatigue. And I think we really need to consider the the three fundamentals of our physical wellness being sleep, exercise, and nutrition. And, you know, when you're fatigued, we tend to pick up sugary foods, give us a temporary boost. Unfortunately, we then crash. We're too tired to exercise. We don't really want to go outside, especially if it's dark outside. And we just kind of get off the rails. It's a self-propagating cycle of right. poor sleep, poor nutrition, 
not enough exercise and and we're especially prone to that in the winter when it's dark outside for so many hours a day especially up where you live right well and so it, the things that make uh, that make us feel more uh, down or maybe a full-on depression or maybe like me just a little bit of burnout that has to do with being you know not being outdoors and the vitamin i mean there's those are there's some tracking reasons behind that absolutely and, and you mentioned vitamin d actually and since you brought it up i mean even at this latitude most of us are vitamin d deficient you know of course for the last i don't know how many decades we've known if the sun is not necessarily our friend in terms of our skin and other health related issues and so many of us stay out of the sun or wear sunscreen i think very few of us get enough vitamin d uh especially if we're over a certain age and so i would really recommend that everybody get their vitamin d level checked or just take vitamin d supplements and um you know i think especially up in alaska that's it's it's a foregone conclusion as you intimated that vitamin d deficiency is going to be rampant but even down here in california because many of us uh, especially in the winter now, our days are shorter than ever, and uh, we're coming up on the shortest day of the year. But even in the summer, I think many of us try to stay out of the sun, and vitamin D deficiency is much, much more common than we imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, we're taking, uh, in my household, we're taking like the 5,000 IU uh, units of vitamin D every day just to try and stay a pace of it. But yeah, I mean, every time we get them checked, it's like, nope, you're still low. Nope, you're still low. Nope, you're still low. And vitamin D does a lot of things for us. Absolutely. No, it's really an essential ingredient to our health. And, you know, part of that is our energy level and and our sleep. So, of course, fatigue is such a general issue and and so non-specific there's so many causes but at least we can address some of the more common ones and as you pointed out i think vitamin d deficiency is almost a given if you're not taking supplements and also as you pointed out even if you are if you're not taking enough or not absorbing it well it still may be low so you might want to double your dose and um have it rechecked in a few months but you know i think that's something everybody should have checked yeah, absolutely. Um, so winter burnout is, uh, you know, the winter blues. That's kind of, again, that physical and emotional thing. St sleep. I mean, we always hear about it. We should be getting more sleep. We should be doing things. But we're all busy, 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 right? And we can't do it. Or some of us, you know, you lay down and you're just not getting that deep, restful sleep. But that's the that's the recharge, right? And if you're not getting it right, it's a real problem. No, you put it very well, as a matter of fact. That is the recharge. It's there's a lot of restorative, healthy stuff going on when we're asleep. It's not just a passive activity where our brain is sort of taking a break. Our brain, uh, within our brain, there are processes that are cleaning up debris. Um, these proteins that some of, some of you may have heard about, uh, the tau protein and amyloid protein, uh, have been kind of in the news in the context of those who undergo repetitive head injuries namely our American football players, who then even in their 40s and, and perhaps later begin to get signs of dementia, uh, impatience, personality changes, uh, hostility, outbursts. And some of them have uh, offered their brains to uh, medical science upon their demise later on. And 
these proteins build up. Those, those tau and amyloid proteins are cleared in our brain when we're in deep sleep. And there are a number of other restorative things happening, not to mention consolidation of memories. And um, I just learned recently that, you know, I, I, it's been a thesis of mine, Michael, for a long time that we have this negativity bias and we're all wired this way. We could talk about why that might be through tens of thousands of years of evolution. But I learned from a, a PhD psychologist who's a researcher recently that when we sleep, we, of course, I knew that we, uh, we consolidated memories. You know, it's, it's something that's going on in parts of our brain called the amygdala, for example. And what he told me was that there is science supporting that we first process negative memories. So we do have a negativity bias. We process those memories first. We do that when we're sleeping and when we're awake, but even when we're asleep. And then we subsequently process the more positive memories. And so this happens during deep sleep. If we're not getting enough deep sleep, we may only be processing negative memories. And this is sort of reinforcing our negativity bias. We tend to remember negative things that happen and forget the positive. Right. And uh, I've also read that 80% of our thoughts are negative and 20% are positive. And, and that resonates with me. I, I actually believe that that's true. And, you know, the good news is our brains have this amazing quality called neuroplasticity, where we can actually, if we have an, a plan, if we're intentional, we can change the way we think. But we have to have a plan. And that plan includes taking care of our physical well-being. And that starts with sleep, as you mentioned. Right, right. Well, if you if you don't think that people have a negativity bias, just look at the news. I mean, they 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 suck that stuff up all day long. It's like mother's milk, you know. And you're right. The one thing that we have control of in this world, I mean, not our circumstance, not our situations, not anything else. The one thing we have control of is that computer <coughs> is that computer between our ears, and it lets it, how we react to things and how we process and what our thoughts are. It's the one thing. That, it's the hardest thing. But it's the one thing we have control of, right? We do have we do have quite a bit of control over it, and yeah, I guess the reason that those you know negative stories dominate the news is that it must be what we want to hear somehow, though we don't want to admit it. Um, and we need to be actually conscious of limiting our intake of the news and social media as well. That's part of controlling that thing between our ears, I guess. But yes. We do have some control over our thoughts. The thing is that, you know, I believe that our brains are hardwired in certain ways. And so we, we have some control over it, but we have to acknowledge that we're born with this organ, if you will, that functions in a certain way. And we're not going to right the ship. You know, we're not going to turn things around 180 degrees right away. We have to do it in little baby steps. Right. So we have to pay attention to those tiny little changes that, give us a little light bulb moment, a little dopamine hit, a little oxytocin, those feel-good hormones. Pay attention to that and gravitate in that direction rather than sort of relax into our old hardwired habits of negativity. So we do have some control over, over what we think and the way we behave uh, ultimately, but we have to have a plan and we have to kind of right. keep, keep reiterating it to ourselves because... Uh, 
it takes a little bit of discipline. Yeah, no, it can't just be a grab bag of I'll try, I'll try. Uh, Dr. Greg Hammer is our guest. He's a mindfulness expert and a Stanford University physician. His book is called Gain Without Pain. Uh, doctor, what is the uh, what's the things that you recommend for folks who struggle with this? Obviously, you've talked about sleep, exercise, nutrition. That's the that's the three that that is the triumvirate of what needs to happen. Yes. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about sleep. I mean, I think we really need seven and a half or eight, sometimes eight and a half hours of sleep. Um, we've talked ourselves into thinking we can get by with a lot less and maybe catch up on the weekends. That's not actually true. So there's a number of things we can do for sleep. Um, exercise is huge. Um, you know, we can reduce the likelihood of dementia by 25% or more through regular exercise. Uh, and also the other three sort of horsemen of aging and chronic disease beside uh, brain disease or dementia, we, we could talk about cardiovascular disease, uh, metabolic syndrome, largely type two diabetes and cancer. All of those are uh, less likely if we exercise regularly. And of course, there are lots of other benefits uh, to our psyche and our bodies of exercising and, and what we eat, not only what we eat, but when we eat. I, I used to think that this thing called intermittent fasting uh, was a fad, but actually it's uh, now there's a lot of science to support that if we fast for 16 hours a day, meaning we eat within about an eight hour period, we're actually turning on these magical substances in our cells called sirtuins that help clean up fragmented DNA and switch the machinery of our cells toward uh, restorative pathways. And so sleep, exercise, nutrition, they support our physical well-being and, and make it more, uh, you know, make us more predisposed to take care of our mental and spiritual well-being as well. Right. And we're hearing more and more about you are what you eat, um, that there is a that there is a you know, we eat so much processed food. We do all this kind of stuff, um, but that the more and more, you know, intermittent fasting, you know, sticking to basic foods, uh, you know, kind of a balance of proteins and, and good fats and some of these other things. But that it, it really matters. Your gut health has a direct effect on everything else in your body. And we're just now over the last five or six years really hearing more and more about this. Absolutely. You know, there's there's something called the gut brain and uh, another process called leaky gut syndrome. So, yeah, I mean, we've we've underattended to taking care of our gut, but fiber is one thing that's key to our microbiome. And then, you know, minimizing the use of antibiotics and, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and other certain other drugs that mess with our microbiome. But eating is... Uh, you know, what we eat when we eat is critical. And, and I think, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the typical Alaskan diet is. Um, I, I've actually heard people who talk as though they have some credibility saying that we should just eat meat. Look at the Eskimos. You know, there's just not a lot of uh, plant life and, and fresh produce available. So they're really just meat eaters. And, uh, you know, I question the wisdom of that. I, I'm, I, th I think we should eat more of a plant-based diet and, uh, you know, get a sufficient amount of protein and very minimal refined foods, uh, especially sugary foods. And that even includes fruit. I think that uh, I have one of these devices that I occasionally wear for two weeks at a time called a continuous glucose monitor. 
and it's quite interesting. You can you need a prescription for them, but uh, you can just attach it to the back of your arm and sync it with your phone, and you can actually track your blood sugar. So you can see what happens when you eat certain foods. Right. And I found that if I just have a bowl of fresh fruit, my blood sugar goes up more than I'd like. But if I have it with some protein, like yogurt, for example, um, it mitigates the rise in blood sugar. But I think we do need to attend to our blood sugar and really minimize sugary foods. And uh, you're right, balancing fats and protein as well. All right. Well, we're going to continue. Dr. Greg Hammers, our guest. We're up against the break. We're going to be back here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, back with more on your health and the winter blues in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're in the commercial break right now. Dr. Uh, Greg Hammer is our guest. If uh, anybody in the chat room has some... Uh, has some uh, questions for the doc. That would be uh, great. Chris says, when I think of protein, I don't think of yogurt. I think of Jimmy Dean's. <laughs> yes, sausage. Yeah. I mean, you know, sausage, I think everything in moderation is okay. There's lots of sodium and lots of uh, other things in the sausage, but I do like me a good sausage every now and then. But my wife and I were talking yesterday. Her doctor has been talking to her about upping her protein intake to match it a little bit uh, and her and her water intake. And so she's been very um diligent about well how much protein is in that well how much and then she's amazed like man there's really not much protein in this thing or that thing you know uh greek yogurt lots of lots of uh, protein in greek yogurt uh, and lots of good stuff but i think we really you know and she was one of those ones that is she's taken up intermittent fasting my wife has uh we're on totally different schedules so it's it's a uh, it's easier for her to uh to to get into that but she has found that it really helps her um between that and i think now her increase in her protein uptake i think those will be good things that will help her uh, get that because she has trouble sleeping and that's not an uncommon thing these days right the, the sleep is not an uncommon thing Oh, my gosh. Just look at the market for sleep meds. You know, I mean, it's there's some of the absolutely. best sellers. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, all of us have trouble with sleep sometimes. And many of us have trouble with sleep most of the time. Right. Um, I occasionally if I feel like I'm having trouble sleep, I do take melatonin occasionally. But boy, that stuff. You know, and, and and you you were calling me out, Doc. I have to say, you were calling me out when you're like, "Oh, we feel like we can get away with with less sleep and then catch up on the weekends." I mean, my weekdays are like six hours of sleep a night, five six hours of sleep a night, and then on the weekends I try and sleep like ten hours, and it's just, I I mean, I know it's not good, but you know, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where. Oh, I feel like I can make it work, but that's just not how it works, right? You can't catch up on your lost sleep. Is Are we actually live, Michael? Uh, we're not on the radio, but we're just me and you and 60 of our closest friends on Facebook and YouTube right now. Yeah, I mean, but is it live? Is it actually yeah. like uh, 4.45 there in the morning or some crazy thing? It's 6.45 in the morning. We're only an hour off of California. Ah, okay. I yeah, see. All right. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, no wonder you don't sleep much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm sure you're still up early and 
you know, those golden hours in the evening, it's probably a oh, time yeah. that you feel like you've got to yourself and oh, it's hard. You can read a book or watch something on Netflix or whatever. It's hard to yeah. go to sleep early enough. Yeah, no, I get up at 4.30 in the morning every morning and you know, I get home from my, I, I work, I run a couple of radio stations and I'll get home between, you know, sometimes 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. And then I've only got a couple hours before I got to go to bed. And sometimes it's hard. I just want to, you know, I'll stay up till nine and be like, okay, I can do it. I, you know, but it's just, it's not, you know, it's not a great way to run a railroad, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes some discipline, you know, you just have to really put your mind to, I think if you read about or hear about watch what your brain's actually doing when you're asleep and how important it is that you go through those different cycles of sleep and you know maybe learn more about uh, the benefits of restorative sleep uh it might influence you a little bit i think it's you know the more educated we are about the way we take care of our bodies including sleep the benefits of exercise the different types of exercise right. and also nutrition um I mean, you really have to look at the ingredients of that Jimmy Dean sausage, right? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. We have a local butcher shop down here that makes it some, some amazing sausage, and I'm all about that. I'm all about that versus the processed, uh, you know, mass-produced stuff, so that's all good. Um, well, I think that, you know, those lean meats occasionally are, are, are fine, the leaner ones, and then you must have outrageous fish and especially salmon one of my favorites oh yeah we get salmon you know we get uh, we get some good fish salmon and uh you know pike and and uh, white fish and some of the other ones as well and of course we got the moose and you know super lean moose and uh some people can get caribou and and bear depending on what it is but you know we're, we eat a lot of we eat a lot of the same stuff that you do we got we go to the same krogers and buy the same stuff and you know uh, get the same Angus beef or, or, you know, free range chicken or whatever that everybody else gets. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing, but I, I, again, I'm just amazed more and more about what we're discovering about, uh, gut health and everything else. I think that's a fascinating topic that, uh, we could devote a whole show to a whole hour to just on that subject alone, because I think they're just now really figuring it out. I mean, a lot of us have been taking probiotics for a long time, but, um, it's more than just that. It's uh, it's pretty interesting stuff for sure. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me go back over here. Uh, uh, the doctor's in Southern California. Somebody said, where in California is he? He's down in Southern California. Uh, I'm in Northern California. Oh, Northern actually, California. My Northern California. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, Jason says his CGM has changed his life. That's his constant glucose monitor. He said some of the things that made blood sugar high was like, Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's some pretty interesting things to see out there for sure. All right, the ding means we're about to return to the radio. Uh, we're going to jump back into it. Dr. Greg Hammer is our guest. Again, the name of his book is called, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the name of his book is called Gain Without Pain. Let's get back into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get it done. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. What? It's a pinch. I have big hands. That's a pinch. It's, I mean, you know. Um, all right. We're back to it. Dr. Greg Hammer is our guest. Uh, he is a mindfulness expert and also a uh, Stanford University uh, professor and physician and best-selling author as well. His book is called Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook 
for healthcare professionals. All right, so we just talked about getting enough sleep, getting outside, getting some food, increasing vitamin D. Um, but you've got a plan uh, about uh, you call the gain method. And this is a three-minute-a-day plan that helps us because you were talking about we, we've got a bias to be negative. I mean, our, our brain processes negative emotion first and all these other kind of things. So how can we do it? What is this three minutes a day Three minutes a day to pave your pain away. I mean, what? What? Give me, give me the, give me the whole rundown here. Sure. Well, gain, uh, which is you know the first word in the title of the book, as you mentioned, is an acronym for what I consider to be the four pillars of mental and spiritual well-being. They are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. Gain, gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment. So. We can maybe, uh, if you'd like, we can kind of touch on those Absolutely. briefly. Yeah. Um, you know, gratitude. Certainly, and I'm not obviously the uh, inventor of any of these things. These are all recycled ideas, but they are they resonate true. You know, when I tried to come up with an acronym for what I thought were the essentials of mindfulness, of happiness, ultimately, uh, I you know, thought about it for quite a long time. And I figured I could come up with four elements. More than that, I would have a hard time remembering them. Right. So I love Deepak Chopra, for example, and many other sort of spiritual writers, authors. But, you know, I just can't remember seven or 10 or 12 steps, ways, what have you. So four, uh, I thought was a was a reasonable number. Uh, three didn't, I couldn't think of three things that covered it, but four cover it. And we start with gratitude. Gratitude is intrinsically part of happiness. Uh, I think we may know, or certainly can imagine someone who's poor and happy, who may be physically challenged and happy, but we can't really even imagine somebody who is ungrateful and happy. Right. You know, those right. people who are kind of complaining about their circumstances and we kind of roll our eyes uh, and just consider what they have compared to what so many other people in the world have and don't have. Um, so being grateful for what we have, acknowledging what we have is just so essential. Right. The A in gain is acceptance. And, you know, we can't just pretend that life is a bowl of cherries, as it were, and we're so grateful for all the all the goodness. We do have to spend some time embracing those uncomfortable or painful experiences. And, you know, for me, I lost my son at the age of 29, six years ago, almost seven. And that pain is not going away. If I just pretend it didn't happen or, you know, so many other ways we resist thinking about certain things. And I'm not proposing that we think about painful things all the time, but we need to devote a certain amount of time to accepting those things that you know, those things in the world that apparently don't comport with our wants and needs. We right. need to, we do need right. to sit with those. And so that's the acceptance part of the practice. Intention, we need to have a plan, as I think we've acknowledged, you know, we're, we're, we're intrinsically rather negative. If we want to change that, we need to have a plan. We're, we're intrinsically very distracted by the past and future. You know, if we close our eyes and take a deep breath and try to banish all thoughts from our head, it's impossible. And typically our thoughts go to, you know, something we said or did yesterday that we're embarrassed or ashamed of. 
something that is happening in the future, lists of things we have to do later today or tomorrow. So it's hard for us to be present. If we have a plan, though, we can practice being more present and more positive. And that's where the intention comes in. We have to be purposeful about it. And the end is non-judgment, Michael, because as you well know, we just naturally go to judging everything around us. And we need to understand the difference between discernment and judgment. We need to right. discern what's good for us and what's not good for us, but we don't have to judge things and particularly ourselves because we are our own most harsh critic, uh, critics. We don't need to judge things as good or bad. When we will let go of the judgment, we can begin to see things more clearly and not through the lens of our biases. So right. gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment, I think, pretty much encompass the realm of of things we need to focus on and sit with and practice thinking about actually in order to improve our our mental well-being. And I think that non-judgment that I mean that folds back into the acceptance, right? I mean, we have to accept that certain things are a certain way uh and that we can't necessarily be judgmental about that even in in ourselves. Um, and I agree with that. I also think acceptance is a good thing. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I don't focus on this program um, on like the big national stuff, because there's just things that we can't control. People get so, so upset. And the polarization in this country, regardless of where you stand politically, the polarization in this country over the last 15, 20 years has just gotten I mean, it's out. Of, it's out of hand. It's just out of control. And most of the things that people are upset about are things that they have absolutely no control over. And I believe that a lot of that is because they're upset because they have no control over it. And so my my point is, I'm not fighting that fight. I mean, it's just that's destroying your soul. That's just, you know, and if somebody doesn't agree with you, okay, great. That's, you know, live and let live. It's kind of, again, that goes back to the non-judgmental thing. Gratitude, you know, we're in the season, counting your blessings. All I can hear is Bing Crosby singing, count your blessings in the background. I mean, those are the things that we should be doing and having that plan and, and working that plan, having the intention. Those are the important things. We have a, a gentleman on every Tuesday who's a who's a, a, a betterment specialist. He's a friend of mine and he focuses on this a lot. And we talk about that. You've got to line it out. You've got to you have to have that moment of self-reflection, which I think most people, quite honestly, are afraid to have that moment of self-reflection because they don't like what they see and they can't get past the non-judgmental part. Well, I, I mean, you've just said a lot of very wise things, Michael. Um, and and one thing you've focused on is that those four elements are very much interrelated, right? So we can, and as you said, people don't want to think about it. That's a form of resistance. And, you know, in medicine, we love equations and resistance equals, or acceptance, I, I probably should say, equals one divided by resistance. It's the inverse. So there's a formula in my book, suffering equals pain times resistance. Right. So the pain is there, that loss of somebody you love or loss of a job or, you know, being a victim of, you know, somebody complaining about you and having that go viral. These things are, you know, they are things that we can't change and they're intrinsic to life. And if we try not to think about them all the time, that's a form of resistance, right? Actually expending energy trying not to think about something it's and, and right it's right probably also very counterproductive because it's like try not to think about an elephant 
in the room next to you. Right. You know, or try not to think about something else that's obviously happening yeah. that you don't like. So those four elements are really tightly woven together. And, you know, we, we can learn to accept partly through gratitude. Right. Right. I mean, I can accept the painful things in life partly because I think that they're overbalanced by the positive things in life. So the gratitude toward the positive or right. embracing the positive things helps me accept. It's called The Gain Method. Uh, Dr. Greg Hammer, you can find him at greghammermd.com. Uh, and again, the name of his book is uh, Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for healthcare professionals. Uh, he writes a lot about this and uh, it's always uh, it's always good. Doctor, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come out here and join us. We appreciate that. Well, it's really my pleasure, Michael. Anytime, maybe next time we'll do a three minute gain meditation together. Oh, that'd be fun. All right, well, hold the line for just a second. Coming up next, Cindy Bertram is gonna talk with us about cruises, why they're the best. I don't know, I've never been on one, but I'd like to find out why. Back with more after this. All right, we're in the commercial break again. Um, uh, uh, Jeannie says, Doctor, do you see yourself as a practitioner of medicine 2.0 or 3.0 like your fellow alum, Dr. Peter Attia or Dr. Andrew Huberman? Um, is that is Are you familiar with that? I'm not familiar with those, f that phraseology. Is it something you see yourself as? Well, I, I've heard Peter Attia use those terms. I don't think I've heard my, my fellow Stanford professor, Andrew, uh, mention them, but you know, if you want to try to be reductionist about it, and we're we're now on to a new phase. Sure, um, <laughs> medicine 2.0. I think that may I, I think that mainly means we've recognized keys to health span and longevity, and just how to live more fruitfully and in greater physical and mental health at the moment. And right. I think medicine 1.0 was. Uh, just treating disease rather than trying to maintain wellness and pre prevent disease. So, right. yes, I think we're, we're in a new, we're entering a new phase now. I think these fundamental ideas are becoming more prevalent in medicine. Well, I think medicine is iterative anyway, right? I mean, it's, it, it's they call it practicing medicine for a reason. It's not like, hey, I'm here. No, no, you got to keep practicing and it keeps changing. And I don't know if you have to put, you know, because I mean, are we really in 2.0? I mean, if 1.0 was treating disease, I think we've gone, you know, we're well beyond, we could be in medicine 7.5 at this point. Nobody knows. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think this is some interesting stuff. And I, and I think, what gets me is more and more doctors that I've talked to over the last five or six years have taken uh, have really taken uh, to the idea that, you know, mindfulness and some of these other things have a dramatic impact on the overall body, uh, you know, the physiology to the psychology. I mean, that they have a, an, un, an, an unbreakable tie. And I think more doctors are finally coming to understand that. Um, and and to highlight that. And I'm, I think that's a good thing to see. I think that's what more of us need to understand. Um, and I think your idea of, again, gratitude and acceptance and intent and non-judgmentalness, I think those are all great ways to take a look at this and say, yes, life is good. You know, sure, there's bad in everything, but, you know, you just kind of let that roll off and you move on to the next good thing and you just focus on what uh, on what you can change and the things you can control and your reaction to the things that happen to you, whether they're good or bad. And I think that's a I think that's a huge deal. Oh, completely. And, you know, 
doing otherwise really leads to chronic stress, right? So I think that the gain method, other ways of being present and more positive uh, are antidotes to chronic stress. And chronic stress leads to those four horsemen of aging and disease or cardiovascular disease, brain disease, dementia, uh, cancer, and type two diabetes and other aspects of metabolic syndrome. So, you know, we really need to focus on that. What is burnout after all? Burnout is mental and physical exhaustion related to chronic stress. Right. So we really need to focus on what causes that physiologic and mental stress. And as I said, the good news is we can turn the ship, you know, we can really start to live in a way that uh, allows us to let go of that chronic stress and the health benefits are really legion. You said something early on here. We only got about a minute and a half left, but you said something early on about, uh, you know, living in the moment that that happiness is really only in that moment. Now, I mean, I would argue that nostalgia can also play a part in memories, sure. but you're right to be happy in the moment. You have to live in that moment. A lot of us are always, oh, my God, I'm worrying about this in the future. I'm worrying about that. Oh, April 15th is coming. Oh, I mean, you know, all these things that we're worried about. But we have to live in the moment we're at. Uh, we plan for the future, but we live in that moment. And I think that's an important thing to to try and learn. Yes. And I, Michael, I, I consider thinking about the past and future adaptive versus maladaptive. It's adaptive to think about the past to the extent that we have nostalgia. We can savor wonderful memories. And also, you know, we need to recognize our mistakes so we don't keep repeating them. So those are adaptive ways. But beyond that, we're really, with our negativity bias, focusing on the path, on the past too much and generating a lot of regret, shame low self-esteem, the imposter syndrome. And likewise with the future, we do need to plan. We need to plan for good times to put bread on the table. But beyond that, we we tend to obsess over the future in ways that are maladaptive. And with our negativity bias, that leads to a lot of fear and anxiety. Yeah, and so depression and anxiety are two of our greatest maladies in our culture. Oh, right. It's what I call circle thinking. I have lots of friends who all they circle think. I'm just like, just get out of your own head for five minutes. You'll be so much happier. But it's uh, easier said than done for some people I know. All right. Well, Dr. Greg Hammer, thank you so much. I appreciate it. GregHammerMD.com is his website. Go out there and check it out. Uh, we'll have you back on the show again in the future. Thank you for coming on board. Would love it, Michael. It's it's uh, been lots of fun. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Likewise. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, all right, Dr. Greg Hammer, our guest here. And I see that Cindy Bertram is in the green room, ready to go. Um, and so we'll check her audio here. We're about 90 seconds from jumping back onto the radio. So let's uh, let's go over here and bring her uh, on the uh, on the air here, and we'll uh, get her all squared away. Hello, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm glad to be on the show. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. We're going to talk about cruising. You're going to convince me why cruises are the best holidays ever, and all the pluses and everything else. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we've got some naysayers in the chat room who were like, oh, I couldn't do that. But a lot of people love it. And uh, I've wanted to do a cruise for many years. And you're the uh, you're the expert, so you're going to bring us on and, and give us the full rundown on it. Um, so if you'll hold the line, I'll be right back to you and we'll be good to go, okay? Great. All right. All right. I'm going to uh, put Cindy back in the uh, green room there. And we're about ready to jump back into this and get this going on. All right, my friends. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff. 
Let's uh, let's get it going. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to everything. The podcasts, the Facebook pages where we simulcast the show, uh, the live stream, the audio-only live stream and everything else. And also, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. And we are ready to go. We're ready to dive in. I mean, the weather can't decide what it wants to do because now it's almost raining. It was like all blizzard yesterday and snow, and now it's going to rain. And then tonight it's going to snow, and then tomorrow it's going to snow. And then it's, I mean, who knows? It's the weirdest winter in history so far. Uh, but we're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. It's it's definitely going to be a white Christmas. That's all you could say. It's going to be a white Christmas. It's going to be beautiful. And we are ready to Go. All right. Joining us this morning on the program, we're about to jump into it with Cindy Bertram, who is an expert on cruises. Uh, she's written a book. Uh, she's a communications media and branding specialist. She wrote a book called How Six Women Executives Steer the Cruise Ship Industry Today. And uh, we're going to talk with her a little bit about that. But we're going to talk with her about, you know, cruising and how that's just kind of lighter side. We're trying to lighten it up, folks. I don't want, there's no politics. Well, I take it back. Tomorrow, Brad Keithley, Chris Story are going to be on. We're going to do the weekly top three. We're going to do the PMA. But then throughout the rest of the week and into next week, it's going to be just lighter side, fun stuff, enjoyable. Uh, in fact, next week is all going to be Christmas stuff. Wednesday of next week is my final day of broadcast for the year. Um, I will be on vacation until the 2nd of January. I always take that time off because nobody, who there's nothing, there's nothing. Uh, don't forget the holiday recipe contest is still up on my Facebook page. If you would like to win a chance to win those uh, fabulous prizes, all you got to do is share your favorite holiday recipe uh, up there and then get your friends to vote on it. Maybe we'll see if Cindy has a favorite holiday recipe that she, although she may spend all her holidays on the cruise ships. We have no idea. We're going to find out here in just a second. Let's, uh, let's figure out about cruising uh, here this morning. Now, when you plan a vacation, you know, there's lots of stuff that goes into it. You know, you got you get your flights and you got to get your hotel rooms and you got to get your rental car and then you got to get your itinerary and you got to go to all the places and you got to do all the things. And it's it's a lot of work that go into a vacation. 
But a lot of my friends have said, well, just take a cruise and you don't have to worry about anything. All you got to do is get your airline tickets and you go there and it's your shows are there, your foods are there, your stuff. And I'm like, well, that sounds almost too good to be true. Almost too good to be true. Well, let's find out about it uh, from Cindy Beltram here. We're going to ask her to join us uh, right now this morning and we're going to jump into this. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. I'm really excited about talking about cruising because, as I tell people, good ship happens. Good ship happens. That's what we like to that's what we like to hear. So yes. Cindy, give us a little bit of your background to begin with, just so folks know why you are the expert on cruising. Well, I got I fell in love with cruising after I took my first cruise. It was a, just a three-night cruise a long time ago on a Asian cruise line. Then it was an Asian Caribbean line, the summer too, which is a little, little, little ship. Got hooked in cruising. I was trying to get a job with the cruise line after I got my MBA. And one of the executives that I met said, get some experience, send me a resume. Well, it turned out my parents had, my mom had a travel agency, full service retail. So I went in actually in cruise, cruise sales, oh, let's see, like 700% first four years. Started continuing articles during trade magazines about the cruise industry, put together groups, but just got hooked on it because it felt safer on a cruise ship. There are fun things to do. Right, and right. Then better writing and then also transition into different things too. But I've written two books, as mentioned. The first book I actually wrote about women cruise line executives back in 2018, how six women executives steer the cruise industry today. And we got women that are cruise line presidents. People are not aware of that. They got great stories. One quick story that's so much fun. I've written about her several times is Christine Duffy, was the president of Carnival Cruise Line. When she got out of school, she wanted to be a flight attendant. Back in those days, she had to be a certain height and weight. She had to be five foot four. Well, guess what? Christine was only five foot two. <laughs> two inches too short to be a flight attendant. So she got working for a travel agency, moved up, then moved in different um, travel corporations, a big incentive travel company, and then she became president of CLIA, which is the Cruise Lines International Association. Right. And then she moved up being president of Carnot Cruise Line. Nice. So great stories. Yeah. And the thing is, they didn't get their jobs because they're women. And I was going to update my book in 2020 because I finally got what I needed to write about Lisa Liptoff Perlow, who became president of Celebrity Cruises in 2014. I saw her in January 2020 at the New York Times Travel Show. I got everything I needed. And then, of course, in March 2020, right. COVID-19 hit. Yep. So I held off. Yeah. Okay. That almost... that, let's, let's share some positive stories. Right. So I wrote a different book about great people I've interacted with. My creativity, by the way, I did my MBA at Loyola, you know, Chicago. Right. And my creativity, I did after testing, was raked 92%. It's high. Right. Okay. Right. But I decided to write a different book about great people I've interacted with over the years. But I did a dog twist because people like their dogs like their kids, right? <laughs> yeah. They do. I yeah, mean, no. I was writing articles on LinkedIn called Message from the Dog anyway. Before that, I was doing some Facebook posts um, called Travel Tip from the Dog. <laughs> but I thought, okay, let's do a book. So the book is called Message from the Dog, Learning from Great Humans. Oh, nice. But I've got, this is actually Miss Zoe is my puppy niece. Nice. My sister's dog, but I've got famous people. Rick Sasso, who's actually chairman of Embassy Cruises USA, is in a chapter. My friend Nick, a former cruise line president, 1990s, Premier Cruise Lines, Big Red Boat, is in a chapter. I've got a chat about Rudy Schrein, who is a co-founder, co-owner on the waterways. 
very successful river cruise line, wonderful. But people like that, I need the dog twist because we need that more than ever. Right. No, absolutely. So you got yeah. some. You got some backing. Your mom owned a cruise agent or a travel agency. You've specialized right. as in cruises. Seven yes. hundred percent increase in cruise bookings when you got involved. You just love the cruising. All right. So tell me, uh, Cindy, what you know. What is the? I, I kind of laid out. I kind of set you up with a softball there. You know, taking a vacation can be a lot of work, right? I mean, there's a lot of prep. There was an old statistic that said most people spend more time on their uh, on their planning their two week vacation than they do planning their retirement uh, in some cases, and and I can see that uh, because a two week vacation can be exhausting to try and figure out everything you're going to do. Uh, cruises kind of fix that, don't they? They do, and the good thing is, too, is having worked as a trial advisor myself, I mean, I was a go-to person. A good example is one time I had some clients actually doing a cruise. I flew down a day earlier, but what happened was they had some friends they were cruising with, and what they did was um, their luggage didn't make it, okay? So they decided to cancel because she called me. I said, let me, let me see what I can do. But anyway, they had travel insurance. I was able to get them refund back, but it kind of came up a little crazy. But the point is, if you use a travel advisor, there you go to person if something comes up. Okay. Right, right. But also, I mean, you can book it through the cruise line. That's fine. They help you out too. But once again, too, is when you get on the ship, you, you know, your, your stateroom is actually your hotel room more than that. And they take you to different places. You can get off the ship if you want to. You don't have to. I always do. I love taking shore excursions myself. You love photography, but once again, they take you different places, and of course, they have um, different options as far as food, dining, entertainment is included, which is great. Because once again, if you go to Vegas, not bad mouthing, I've been there. I was at there at a campus earlier this year, but the point is, what do you pay to see a show in Las Vegas? Big money, right? Big money to go yeah, see the show. Yeah, yeah. The entertainment is included. I just got off the pre-christening cruise of the Celebrity Ascent. And they really up some areas as far as entertainment. It was spectacular. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the the best thing about cruising is that you're saying is that it's kind of all inclusive. I mean, your hotel room travels everywhere with you. Right. Food, right. different types of food at different different levels, different things. Um, entertainment is all uh, on board, and this is world class entertainment. I mean, some of this stuff is like you know they've taken people who come from Vegas to go do these cruises. Uh, to enjoy themselves out there and be able to entertain people as well. They do. And I mean, a good example is um, I know at one point, Norwegian Cruise Line actually a Blue Man group on their ships too. They also, right. for a while, they had a second city, but their productions, different cruise lines have beautiful productions. And one thing that I know with the Celebrity Scent, which is just on last week for their pre christening cruise, is they also included this tech, tech, technological avenues too. It was amazing. I mean, they've got their own Cirque du Soleil events. It's just amazing what they do as far as entertainment. I mean, just. Oh, man. A Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah, a Cirque du Soleil show at sea. That sounds like a, that sounds like a heck of a deal. It is. And just amazing what they do. It is. Now, as far as recommendations go, I mean, obviously, we live in Alaska. We've got the Inside Passage. You know, you got the West Coast down to Cabo. You got the East Coast. You've got the Gulf. You've got all the Mexico and the Bahama cruises. What are your recommendations for somebody who's never 
gone cruising before? I mean, is there, is it an all in? Do we dip our toes in the water? You know, do we go full boat? I mean, what's the, what's, what's your suggestion? Well, it kind of depends. You know, one thing too, that's been really, really impressive right now too, is we're seeing a lot of cruise lines that are adding more ships sailing from the U.S. as far as different ports. Years ago, the cruise industry was kind of based where you sailed out of Miami. Okay. Then Fort Lauderdale, right. Port Everglades took off. Of course, we had Port Canaveral because that was where Premier Cruise Line sailed out of. And of course, Disney started sailing out of Port Canaveral, which is an hour away from Orlando. Um, but now we're seeing a big surge in, for instance, um, early this year in April, MSC Cruises flew me to New York because they're bringing their MSC Maravilla to sail out of New York year-round, different itineraries. Right. Also, another one that's really, really big, too, is um, Galveston. Galveston, Tech. Texas, right. Yep. Yes. Yes, because we've got um, – but there's so many different ports. So the thing is, if you feel like you want maybe to drive or fly a shorter flight, that might be easier for now, okay? Just to kind of think about that, too, because you've got different options. Right. Because, once again, a good example is with uh, Royal Caribbean, they've got their newest ship coming out in January next year, this coming year, 2024, Icon of the Seas. It's going to be the biggest ship ever built. Wow. Yes. Um, but what they're doing is they just announced that their second Icon-class ship, Star of the Seas, is going to be sailing from Port Canaveral when it debuts in summer 2025. Wow. Well, I... Yeah, no, I want I want you to walk me through the process here in a little bit, but we're going to take a quick break. So we're going to come back here in just a hot second. Cindy Bertram is our guest. Uh, we're talking about. Let's try that again. We're going to talk about cruise line stuff and uh, we're going to figure out uh, what we need to do. We're going to pretend that I'm booking a cruise. So we're going to get all the details here from Cindy and figure it out. Um, like I said, I've always wanted it. Uh, well, maybe we'll hit some of the negative because I know Chris story was like, oh, I can't do it because of all the people. and the, oh, the, the. We'll talk about that as well. We'll be back with more in just a minute. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Cindy Bertram is our guest. We'll return to more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we're in the uh, chat room right now. Uh, we're during the commercial break here. We got about four minutes before we come back from the radio. Who really loses guests' luggage? Says Jim. I don't know, Jim. Have you ever flown? I've my luggage has gone gone missing a few. Although I have to say, I've never actually lost like permanently lost luggage, but it does happen. Uh, it does happen. It's one of those things that goes on out there. Um, 
Um, let's see. When I cruised, biggest ships on the seas at the time, captive with a few thousand people. I mean, yeah, but it's not like you feel like you're shoulder to shoulder cattle. Well, I guess it depends on which I guess which berth you're taking, um, but it would be uh, this new ship, Icon of the Seas. How big is? I mean, you're saying it's the biggest ship ever built. How big are we talking here, Cindy? I think she has. I've written about it, but she's going to have at least uh, six thousand passengers on board, if if not more. Six thousand passengers, which means they probably have half again as many crew. So that's a big ship. Yes, yeah. yes it is. So that's we're yeah. talking nine thousand people on a ship, but uh, the ship itself is probably monstrous, and uh, uh, that means more amenities, more things. I've seen the pictures of. I've never been on a cruise boat. I mean, a big cruise boat. I've done day cruises and things like that, but uh, these ships are like, uh, I mean, they're resorts, all you know, built into themselves, right? They are. But the good thing is, for instance, with Royal Caribbean, I sailed on Royal Caribbean last year myself. I've been going through uh, ship withdrawal. <laughs> I've been on some christening cruises too, short ones, but I right. want to take a cruise vacation. And of right. course, back then I sailed end of April. In- Uh-oh, just lost. We just lost Cindy's connection here. We'll see if she's going to come, see if it'll reconnect here and come back in. I don't know. That rapid energy. Yeah, had to have that. Okay, we just lost you that for a second there energy. on the internet there, but we're 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 good. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there's a difference between taking a day or two and then going out for a full week. What's the, what's the average cruise time? Um, I mean, when, you know, when you, you know, what's a good amount of time to take a cruise, I guess is what I'm saying. Is it five days? Is it eight days? Is it 10 days? What's the, you know, to you, especially for folks who've never done it before, what do you think is the, uh, is the best length of time for a cruise? Well, the first cruise I took was a three-night cruise, which was fun. That's where I got hooked on cruising. But once again, I think um, we went to their private out island, then Nassau, Bahamas, came back. But the good thing is I got hooked on cruising. I tell people usually maybe four or five nights if you're not sure, okay? But also there may be a seven-night cruise. In my case, I really like doing, uh, if I can, like a 10-night cruise if I can. Yeah. You have more time at sea, too, which is great. The sea really, really relaxes me so much. Right. No, I, I love that. Um, I, I, uh, I would, I would love to be able to do, you know, 10 days is a good, is a goodly time to just, cause by the, by the end of the third day, now I'm finally wound, uh, it takes me three days to unwind, you know what I mean? And then I, 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 and then I got two days to, at the end to kind of wind back up to what I need to do, but, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. What's your favorite cruise, Cindy? What's the favorite one you've been on so far? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. I love them all, but the thing is, last week being on Icon of the Seas, their pre no not Icon, I was on the Celebrity Ascent, the pre christening cruise, which is great to really see the ship. They've expanded different areas, but also a personal favorite of mine too was um, I got a chance to sail MSC cruises, uh, sail them several times, and what happened was I had been interviewing Rick Sass, who is the chairman now. Um, but I had myself booked on their Davina. I mentioned I was going on the Davina for my cruise vacation. He said, he told me, Cindy, send me a reservation number. And three days before I'm sailing out, he sent me an email. to Cindy, I just got you upgraded to the Embassy Yacht Club. Enjoy. <laughs> no, the Embassy Yacht Club is a ship within a ship concept. They launched in 2010. And of course, with the uh, Norwegian Cruise Line, they've got their haven, which is similar, but it's a private area. 
You only have your own private balconies. It's key card access. Only you have your own. Um, oh man, butlers, butlers. Oh, it's the it's the it's the stuff. All right, hold the line. We're about to the ding means we're about to rejoin. Uh, so we're going to jump back into this here. Uh, Cindy Bertram is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. We're talking about cruising. We're going to be back with more. Here we go. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Let's let's do this thing. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yep, not your daddy's talk radio. Although my daddy is in the chat room. Hi, Dad. How you doing? Uh, we are ready to go here. We're talking with Cindy Bertram who uh, has got a uh, lot of cruising under her belt. She is a media specialist and author of the book, How Six Women Executives Steer the Cruise Industry Today. And she's got our little-known travel tips and everything else. What's the best time of year? Should I buy travel insurance? What are the specific travel apps and everything else? So we're going to talk about all that because I want her to walk me through as if I was her client trying to book something. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, because I know Chris Story is probably listening and he came on when we were talking about this here last week or whatever, and he's like, oh, no, I couldn't do a cruise. I couldn't be on board. All those people jammed in there, and somebody's going to have a cold, and, and everybody's going to get sick. And But, of course, post-COVID, the cruise industry uh, – they got to be pretty. They got to be pretty anal about that. I mean, they got to be cleaning that ship from top to bottom. I know they had the norovirus and all this other kind of stuff. There was stuff going on, but overall, they got to be pretty. They got to be pretty aggressive about that. They are because once again, too, when COVID nineteen hit, of course, cruise industry paused. Okay, but the cruise lines worked together. It was like one cruise line working against another cruise line. They worked together with their health and safety protocols pulling in high-level doctors, physicians, experts, and really pulled together the correct procedures they were implementing. And even when I did my cruise last year, uh, it wasn't full capacity, okay? And I had to show my rapid antigen test nest negative when it, before I boarded the ship. But we had the social distance whole thing, and then even on some of the shore excursions, I had to wear my mask, but it was fine because I felt safe on board. And once again, a lot of cruise lines did kind of Take away buffets and things, not self-serve. Once again, they're very, very careful what they do because, once again, health and safety is critical as far as what they do. Right, right. How has cruising changed? Tawny asked the question in the chat room. How has cruising changed since COVID? Um, what are some of the major changes that you've seen since COVID? Uh, you know, it, it, you you talked just a little bit about it, changing buffets and et cetera, et cetera. But how are some of the? What are some of the other major changes? Well, once again, it goes back to um, the social distancing is not a part. Like I said, it was on the pre-christening last week of the uh, celebrity scent. But once again, it goes back to um, sanitation efforts. I mean, it was a late first night after seeing a show, whatever. But believe me, they really go all out as far as their health and safety protocols, too. Right, cleaning up afterwards and wiping everything they, down. And, it's yeah, amazing it's what they do. I mean, they've done it before, but this, I think they really focus on that more than ever, too. And once again, uh, what's really great, too, is just being able to explore different parts of the ship because we're on board for uh, two days, two yeah. nights. 
Beautiful ship entertainment was fantastic too. Yep. But once again, it goes back to I think just what they're doing as far as the sanitation, cleaning, whatever too. Okay, so I dial up Cindy Bertram and I say, Cindy, I have never taken a cruise. I want to take a cruise. Uh, keeping in mind that I live in Alaska, and so that anything that is you know <clears throat> that it, it's a fourteen hour journey at least to any East coast port, you know, maybe I've got a West coast port that I could go to. Maybe there's something different I could do, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to gut it out or whatever. So what's your, you know, how do we go through this? Do you ask me questions? Do you figure out what I want? What, how do we do this? Walk me through it. Okay. No, good to ask questions because once again, I'm not the decision maker. You are, but going back to what do you want to see? Where do you want to go? Also experiences you want to have on board the ship. Okay. And we mentioned, of course, Icon coming out is going to be the biggest ship ever built. Years and years ago, when more couldn't build Sovereign Seas, years and years ago, that was the biggest ship. You could probably put four Sovereign ships on Icon of the Seas. But the point is, it goes back to what do you want to see? What do you want to do? Uh, we have different cruise lines out there, too. It's not just one type of cruise ship anymore. Right. We've got beautiful cruise lines that are smaller ships. A good example, Explorer Journeys, which actually launched their first ship this year, earlier I think in the summertime, Explore One has a capacity of maybe 200, 900 guests at the most, but also we've got different cruise lines too that offer, for instance, Antarctic cruises. Those are limited to maybe 100 or 200 guests. Right, so right. There's so many options out there. It goes back to where do you want to go? Right. Is there right that you want to see? Right. Well, I, what? I could tell you living in Alaska, I'm not interested in an Antarctic cruise. Okay. <laughs> I probably okay. I've seen the inside passage myself already on on different boats. And so I don't necessarily need to do that. I'd probably like a tropical cruise, but I'd also like to be able to um, I'd like to be able to enjoy. Yeah. Like a Cirque du Soleil show. I'd like to have good food. I'd like to have my own private stateroom with a balcony, you know, to be able to to sit out on the lanai and, and enjoy the the ocean and things like that. Um, and I would like to do it for probably five, six, seven days uh, so that I have time. Because, again, it's a long flight getting there, especially if we're going to the East Coast. So I want to have a good chance to decompress and do all that kind of stuff. What are what are your what what are you thinking? What's uh, what's your recommendations? Well, I definitely a seven night cruise Caribbean. I think would be a good choice for you too because I like the tropical weather myself. I really do. You know, get me on the ocean. It's just beautiful. Different places to see because once again, too, is you've got different choices where you want to sail out of. Of course, Port Everglades is has offered lots of great cruise lines too, as does Port Miami, but also a little farther up would be uh, Port Canaveral, which is now outside of Orlando. Um, Galveston is growing like crazy too, but it goes back to with the Caribbean ports, you've got, they call them Eastern Caribbean and Western Caribbean. Eastern Caribbean would be usually St. Thomas, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And then when you go Western Caribbean, that would be usually Cozumel, um, places like that. Another one I like myself too is I like sailing out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, because you get the chance to see beautiful islands that are in the Southern Caribbean. Um, Barbados is gorgeous. St. Kitts, um, Dominica is another one I got a chance to go to too. St. Lucia, just beautiful places like that too. So, you know, just kind of different choices that you want to think about. And the good thing is I always tell people it's important, I think more than ever to fly down a day before. To fly down a day before the cruise takes. So you have a chance yeah. to be refreshed and maybe see some things around before you board the ship. Right. Also too, I mean, we had that 
issue last year with uh, December with the messy things with luggage being lost, whatever. But you can get those 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 luggage things. I bought one to myself. It's through um, I went through Amazon, but Apple has those things you put in your bag too to track it too. But once again, too a good way to really um, I think just get done a day earlier, enjoy things, to relax, and get on the ship. I would be interested in leaving out. I've always inter- I've, I've always liked to. I've always wanted to visit Puerto Rico um, because it's supposed to be a very you know historic and beautiful place. Um, I have some friends that actually live there uh, year round, and uh, they extol the virtues of Puerto Rico. and And I think that would be that would be a fun thing. What are some of the best excursions in your mind? If you're going to take, you know, if you're going to leave out of some place like Puerto Rico and you're going to go sail through the Caribbean, what are some of the best excursions, bang for the buck, uh, that you think of when you think of that area and you're cruising? Okay. Well, a good example of Puerto Rico is um, they've got the party rum factory. I've been there several times. You can do a short excursion there. And also, I love the forts because with um, San Juan Puerto Rico, they've got beautiful forts right. in all San Juan. Beautiful. And then... A couple of years ago, I was actually, I got a chance to be on a celebrity cruise line ship. They just redid it, okay? But what they did was they flew us down to San Juan. We got on the ship for two days, and we got back. We had to disembark by 9 o'clock in the morning. The flights that they put me on didn't leave till 6 o'clock at night. And I've been to the Bar- Bacardi Rum Factory several times. It's beautiful, but a friend of mine who was also on the same ship, she found this one company called... Um, Spoon Food Tours. Spoon Food Tours, okay. Based in Puerto Rico, it was amazing because what we did was we were able to put our luggage somewhere and we did the Spoon Food Tours. It was like five, six hours. They took us to different small places for tastings and things all over. Oh, you know, it's beautiful. Right, right. And different tastings. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that. How about it was wonderful. Yeah. How about off the cruise ships? What are some of the best excursions in your mind off the ships that uh, in the various ports? What What are your What do you think are that? What do you recommend as far as excursions? Because you can take them or leave them, right? I mean, you don't have to go on the excursion. Um, but what are some of the best that are must sees in your mind uh, in the in the Bahamas or the Caribbean that you suggest? Right. I've been to Bahamas, but once again, the good thing is most cruise lines now really ramped up where they have their own private out islands in the Bahamas too. The ship's dock right there. You get off the ship right there. I'll share more about that later on. But also a good example would be Barbados because it's beautiful. And when I was there last time, I had a chance to, I just did a tour. I've been to Barbados several times, but I did a tour. And what they did was the first part of the tour took us to different areas. They took us on Rihanna Drive. Okay. Rihanna the singer. Oh, okay. Rihanna. Okay. Rihanna the singer. I had no idea what that was. I know it was. They took us by her house when she grew up. Oh, and wow. They, re- they renamed the street Rihanna Drive. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is in Barbados, you've got beautiful areas north. You know, you've got the sugarcane fields. You've got the ocean on the other side. Another one I love too is St. Kitts. It's gorgeous. Um, and also another one I got a chance to go to, um, they call it Dominica. Beautiful, different, just places seen with Dominica. It it almost looks like the, um, some areas look like Hawaii. Wow. And okay. St. Lucia. St. Lucia is another beautiful island. But once again, you go there and see different things. It just, you can take a short excursion you want to. I wish you do, because I like to take short excursions, see places. Um, and then, you know, the, the key thing is I'm not bad mouthing people that want to try and take you different places. But the one thing is you got to make sure that 
if you do find something that's going to take you on a tour, make sure you get back to the ship on time. Otherwise, ship's not going to stay for you. They'll they'll leave. Right, and you'll be finding you'll be finding a helicopter to try and get you back to the ship. That would definitely not be a, right. a thing to do. And sure, areas, yeah, right. And now, shore excursions are they usually limited to a couple hours, a few hours? Is it an overnight? I mean, what's what's the oh, not overnight? Not yeah. overnight? No, 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 no. Um, they're usually a couple hours. But one thing that came up too is I know that uh, I just uh, found an article that I wrote about them, Azamara Cruises which been owned by Royal Caribbean sold off to another company, but um, they've got four shifts. And I remember finding an article because they've got a new CEO coming in next year, but I know they're chairman. But what they do is they start doing, um, back in 2014, they start doing their their um, late evening shore excursions. And they were included, of course, because Azamar is more luxury. What they do is they, there are smaller ships, they, they docked and they had these later night shore excursions. So you actually got off, took that, you could enjoy things in the evening, not have to run back to the ship. Right. What was the name of that cruise line again? Azamara. Azamara. Okay. Right. All right. Well, I'll I'll put that on the list. Now, right. as far as affordability, how much are we talking here? I mean, give me an idea. Give me a range. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, how much a night am I, for me and my wife, if we want to go out there, how much should we expect to spend per night on a three, a five, a seven, a 10 day cruise? Give give me a ballpark here. What what are we talking about money wise? Oh, that that's a tough question because it really varies in the cruise ship you're going on too. I mean, last year when I did my cruise on the um, Alone in the Seas Royal Caribbean, I got a balcony stateroom for under a thousand dollars, which is unusual. I mean, we we're just coming out of the right, but it was still a wonderful price, whatever. And I did my own shore excursions, of course. Those are extra. But once again, if you go into some luxury cruise lines, they do include shore excursions for you too. Right. So I and mean, cruise lines do that too, which is great. And so, it, for my rec, for my requirements of a you know of a, of a stateroom with a balcony, um, you know, for maybe a five day cruise, could I expect to get it for a thousand, two thousand, depending on how luxurious the ship is, et cetera, et cetera. But right. if I had a budget of you know say two thousand dollars for my wife and I, less airfare. Is that something that's doable or is that? Uh, I, I think so. And that's and that's all inclusive of everything except for the excursions, right? That's food and yes. entertainment and everything on the boat. I think a little bit less because once again, too. But the thing is, I really think uh, if you've never cruised before, maybe trying a four or five night might be good. Because once again, with a three night cruise, I took my very first cruise. I got hooked on cruising and I, I did want to get off the ship. You know, I was almost crying getting off the show. I thought I want to stay longer, but I think four or five nights is good because you can really kind of relax and still experience a couple of different ports. Final question for this segment. So if it's my first cruise and it's my first experience, is there a company that you recommend for that first time experience? Is there one that you would say these this company will give you a good taste of what it is? Is there a, a specific company that you would recommend that somebody checks out? Well, it depends on what you're looking for, too, because once again, um, with Celebrity Cruises, um, they're really, they're, they're, their ships are gorgeous. Uh, I sailed on Celebrity first year, they they had their new ship come out back. My Actually, my past passenger number with Celebrity Cruises was actually 209. <laughs> Two, you, were two, you were number 209. Yes. You had to actually sail once. What I did was I, I booked a group from my family's agency. I booked a group on the Mer the Meridian, which was 
the first ship they started with, it was the Chandler's family at the time. They flew me out to New York City to see the horizon, their new built ship. I fell in love with it. I came back. I cruised, got myself booked on a cruise with Horizon. You had to sail once and then you had to pay the fee for being a past passenger. I think 25 bucks for your, your lifetime. And I got my number. I got my card. I still have my card. 209. Right. So, But the thing goes back to what you want to do. Because with Royal Caribbean, they've got different segments for adults and kids too. They tend to be a little bit more family oriented now. Not that that's bad, but once again, it goes back to they've got Beautiful areas for adults only, too, which is great, too. Another one that came up, um, uh, Virgin Voyages. Virgin, like Virgin Galactic Virgin Voyages? Well, that's Virgin. That's Richard Branson's cruise line. Right. Okay. All right. I got a chance to see the Scarlet Lady when she was first launching um, in 2021, the fall. I was attending Sea Trade Cruise Global Conference. They reached out to me. They wanted to come down and see the ship. She was actually docking, and she just arrived in Port Miami, and we see out, but I guess she's be on the ship for seven hours. That one, you have to be at least 18 years old to be on the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, this would be me and my wife, no kids. And not that we mind kids, but yeah, yeah. Pro- probably be better to be on one that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of kids uh, running around. So again, Virgin, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, all pretty good. Disney is obviously kind of more of a family-oriented deal. Uh, and probably expect that, but you also get some of that Disney magic, I imagine, as well right. in there. Uh, Cindy, right. Cindy Bertram is our guest. We're going to take uh, one final break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about her books uh, and uh, see get a little bit of insight into the cruise industry and more. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we are in the break right now. um, And we... (laughs) Jeremy is just so salty about cruises. Okay, I know. I get it. So you're not interested in the cruise. That's okay. Yes, I've done the Alaska Marine Highway thing. That is a cruise, but technically not a cruise that you, I mean, that's not one that you just jump uh, into. Um, Melody said uh, that she went out of Puerto Rico. She loved it. Uh, She said the rooms with the balconies now are very affordable. Uh, and she says Puerto Rico is beautiful and warm. She said she swam with the turtles at Curacao, which that sounds amazing. See, that would be my kind of thing. My kind of excursions would be snorkeling, scuba diving, in the water, on the ocean. That would be my kind of excursion. I love that. I love to be able to do that and to be in the water. Um, that would be that would be uh, amazing. And then Jeannie says uh, Palomino uh, Island, Puerto Rico, has got a fantastic water park as well. I mean, it just seems like that there's a lot of great things to do down there, uh, Cindy. There really are. And the, the one thing that came up, too, as I mentioned before, is cruise lines. When cruising started to come back, one thing that was good, too, is a lot of cruise lines actually have their own private out islands. A lot of cruise lines, when they first started cruising again, after they put the protocols in place, got the permission to do that. What they did was they would go to their private out islands. Right. Okay. Ship stock right there. Because a good example is with MSC Cruises, 
they got their MSC cruises. Um, it's Ocean K MSC Marine Reserve. I was there on the christening of their new ship about two years ago, but it was great to see what they did because once again, they actually had found this island in the Bahamas and they actually negotiated a deal. They leased an island from the Bahamas for for hundred years for a hundred million dollars. Wow. It was trashed. There's a former manufacturing plant that had been there. They left. They had to tow away 1,500 tons of scrap metal. Oh, wow. They actually put in $400 million of their own money. Right. To clean they it up and trees, make it nice and do all that. Rebuild yeah. trees, rebuild the, the marine life, whatever. And when I was there on the christening, they actually did a, a besides Christmas ship at the, on the ship later on that evening, they did this, this sand cutting thing too, because they're building Marineland there too, but they're really building things like crazy. But he walked up the ship. It was beautiful. One thing I did like about it myself too, is they didn't have like the big roller coasters or the big Simplines, that kind of stuff, too. It was really beautiful, a different place to eat, enjoy the beautiful areas, too. Right, just kind of natural. And these lar- right. these these larger ships also, I mean, there's there's gives and takes with the larger ships, right? Because the larger ships can't go yeah. into every port. And, exactly. Yeah. And that's one thing that's good, I think. You know, if you think about going to Europe, definitely, I think, taking a river cruise in Europe is a phenomenal way to see it. Because, once again, the... River cruise line ship, they're smaller, of course. Uh, they have to go through the rivers, but you know, your ship's your hotel, so you don't have to hop hotels. Right. Plus, they they let you get off right there, and it's a great way to really, really see Europe, you know? Right, right. So this is like traveling up through the thing, through the Rhine, all these different areas, right. and giving a chance to stop in all these river towns up and down the thing. That's another cruise. I guess I hadn't really considered that, but that would be a fun way to see Europe is on the water. Uh, oh, I think so, too, because once again, they they dock there, you get off. Plus, one thing that's kind of fun, too, is they've got different excursions included. Plus, I know with a good example is on the waterways. They said about 23 years ago, they're um, privately owned. Rudy Schreiner was known as the architect, and he launched on the waterways with Christine Carnes, another partner. But they are really fantastic, and they he really knows he was an architect first and knows how to build river cruise line ships like crazy. So once again, they're really built. And what they do too is they're very health and wellness. They have um, bikes. You can actually take off the ship and then bike around if you want to. Oh, wow. Okay. So you yes. So great excursions and different things. Right. Right. I I love that. it, it's uh, it, it sounds like a fun time. And I like the idea of not having to plan, not having to go with the rental car, not having to go do all the thing. I mean, there trust me, there are some times when those are great. But if you can do it all and sleep in and then go have breakfast whenever you want and go watch the shows that you want to watch and just enjoy the sunshine, that's a heck of a time. I mean, that sounds like a, an absolute ball. And uh, and somebody else just said, plan on spending three thousand dollars for your cruise. Uh, a couple for a balcony, about three thousand bucks. So, I mean, yeah, I mean that that seems pretty reasonable, uh, considering the last time that I stayed at a really nice hotel with Terry um, down in Snoqualmie. Uh, I mean, that thing was like six hundred bucks a night. So, I mean, if you're on a five day cruise and they include food and everything else, that sounds just about right. You know what I mean? So, right. that's great. Uh, and getting there a day ahead of time, that seems to make sense as well. That that checks out because, first of all, you're wiped out. Second of all, if you want a chance to do anything else uh, in the area, uh, especially if you go to Puerto Rico and sail out of Puerto Rico, that seems like it. That, that interests me for sure. 
All right. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to check that out. All right. We're t- about ten seconds from rejoining. Cindy Belt- uh, Bertram is our uh, is our guest. We're going to uh, continue with her here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's uh, let's get this going on. Here we go. All right, continuing one final segment for this bright Monday morning. Uh, Cindy Bertram is our guest. We're talking about cruises. Now, I, I've kind of always been interested in a cruise, but Cindy has just kind of really piqued my interest to the to the whole thing here. Now, there are specific travel apps for cruising, Cindy, as well, I guess. Is that something that uh, that I should be paying attention to? What do these apps do for me? Do they do they alert me to better deals or they help me keep track? What are the what are the best apps for cruising and travel? A good question, because once again, too, it goes back to I really suggest you work with a travel advisor. OK. But also, every cruise line has an app you can download, which is great. Because I did that when I was on the um, Celebrity Scent last week. They could send me different things going on in the ship right then and there because it was more of a pre-christening. Oh, so or whatever. But it, yeah, it, yeah. So you're getting push notifications to your phone to say, hey, this is going on in 30 minutes down in the whatever right. deck. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh yeah. Princess Cruise is just up there. They've got a new one, too, coming out. They've got Medallion. But every cruise line now has their own app. You can actually download it, too, which is important to do, too, just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you keep saying, you know, you should find a travel advisor. Of course, you know, they used to be, I guess we called them travel agents back in the day. And, of course, with kayak and online stuff and everything else, it seems like that's kind of going more of the way. Is Are there specialty advisors who are just for cruise cruising and cruise ships and and how do we find one where do we go to 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 find a travel advisor these days specifically right. for cruises well i mean there are different um host agencies out there one that's been around for a long time is actually cruise planners okay they're in florida but you've got different ones like that that are actually another one is intel travel i got a chance to um talk to their their founder president uh, about a year and a half ago but once again just uh, also ask somebody if you know somebody. Once again, cruise planners, they have different people that actually um, have their own. Um, they work with them. Cruise planners is like their host agency. Okay? Right, but right. Again, they do training, whatever. But the thing is, people use them. And you know, when I was on the ship last week, I met some people actually that have their own agencies through cruise planners, too. Oh, okay. So There, there are tons of them out there. You know, so many, I, I'd have to take a... Sure. I just didn't know if you had any that you knew of right off the top of your cruise planner. Sounds like a good idea. We'll get people who would do it or you can do it all yourself. But uh, again, your mileage may vary uh, on how uh, how you need to do and what they do it. Frank asked the question, do cruises offer hunting excursions? Now, I'm sure maybe some cruises do, but not uh, probably not the ones in the you're probably not hunting in the Caribbean. But there are all kinds of cruises out there. I mean, short cruises, day cruises. I mean, I'm sure that there are cruises that offer that. Uh, maybe, I don't know if Cindy's familiar with any of them or not. Not really. What kind of hunting, though? Oh, it just depends. I don't know. I know in Kodiak, in uh, down in Alaska, there's a couple boats there that offer two-day hunting excursions for uh, deer, for back for deer on Kodiak Island. 
So uh, they take the they take them out and they uh, they do like a two night or three night, and uh, they go hunting uh, um, off on the islands, uh, some of the the uh, uninhabited areas of the island to do it. So there are some of that out there. Let's talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about your book, uh, how six women executives steer the cruise industry today. You, of course, have been immersed in the cruise industry for many, many years. Um, what led you to uh, write this book? Well, I actually read about that topic before for Bill Panoff. He's got Porthole PPI Group. Okay. He's got a great story. Bill Panoff, one of my friends is sending you to write an article for Bill. I started writing articles for the Porthole Insider besides Porthole Magazine. But in 2005, 2006, I wrote an article about women cruise line executives. Back then, we only had maybe two women cruise line presidents. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of vice presidents, though. And so I did was... Um, in um, 2017, my friend Rick said, you got to write a book. So I thought, let's write this book about women cruise line executives and women that are cruise line presidents. I mentioned Christine Duffy, of course, kind of cruise line. Um, some other ones I included in this book include um, Jan Schwartz, who was actually president of Princess Cruises, moved up then. Different role, of course. Edie was then president of um, um, Panat. She'd been president of Crystal Cruises, moved up to Panat. And then uh, Christine Carnes is the uh, co-owner, co-founder of Waterways. Another one was um, Ellen Betridge, who's the president of Uniworld River Cruises. And, but then, like I said, um, I plan to update, I got that done in fall of 2018. Right. And I plan to update book 2020 and COVID-19 hits. That's what I wrote the other book, Message from the Dog with Famous People. Another person I've got in that book, this one includes Christine, I mean, um, she is actually the first and only woman American captain of a cruise line ship, Captain Kate McHugh. Oh, okay. She, celebrity cruises. She was actually the driver. She was the captain and uh, chief cook and bottle washer. She's yeah. captain of Celebrity Beyond. Right. And she's still the first and only woman American captain of a cruise line ship with celebrity cruises, period, in the whole industry. Nice. Nice. But I've got also, I am updating the book right now because we've got some new women cruise line presidents and... Um, besides, of course, Christine Duffy, I'll be up updating her information, Jan Schwartz. Uh, Pam Hoffey became president of Avalon Waterways in 2022. Uh, Barbara Muckerman became president of Silver Sea Cruises, a luxury cruise line that's owned by Royal Caribbean in January this year. Ellen Betridge is still president of Uniworld. And um, Andrea DeMarcos, who is the president of Region 7 Seas, I did interview her back in March. Need to update her information because we just did one interview with her. And then another one is, um, of course, the, the relatively new president of Cyber Cruises, Laura Hodges Bestes, but she's president of Cyber Cruises. Nice. But they have great stories, you know, and just how they got in the industry and fell in love with it. And one thing that's really fun too with Pam Hoffey is, I just wrote an article, it was published by Women Leading Travel Hospitality. And it's called How to Go from Ship to Shore. She actually worked on a cruise ship first. And how many of the ladies that are in that were like that? I mean, obviously the captain and this woman. I mean, how many of them came into the industry and worked their way up or at least had some industry experience? I mean, this is something that's obviously they have a passion for, right? Right. It is. It is. Uh, some worked, like I said, um, in the industry more like like Christine Duff worked um, – for a travel agency first, but they got different stories. So once again, it's good to have, have more about their pulse 
and how they fell in love with the cruising industry, moved up in their careers in different ways. And the good thing is they didn't get hired because they're women. Right. They worked they worked hard and moved up. But like right. so with Pam Hoffey, they actually first started to work. She did an internship first. <laughs> on a ship. Right. And then got into working on that ship. And then she handled um she worked on the ship too, which is great, moved up in her career. Right. Well, it's it's a, it's a meritocracy. That's what we need is people who are uh, right. forwarded on their merits. And this sounds like a good deal. Right. Well, I'm right. I'm sold on the whole idea, uh, Cindy, of uh, of taking a cruise. And now you got me thinking that maybe next year I'll uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look at it and see if there's something that uh, would be fun to go out there and uh, and and check out. Um, uh, Cindy Bertram is our guest. Uh, again, author of the book, How Six Women Executives Steer the Cruise Industry Today, and also her second book, Messages from a Dog, Learning from Great Humans. Uh, Cindy uh, Bartram uh, doing our thing here and uh, just, uh, you know, ready to ready to go. I'm ready to go on that cruise. I'm ready right now. Cindy, thank you so much for uh, coming on board with us. I hope you okay. get I hope One thing I do want to mention, too, is with the Celebrity Ascent. Yes. They just came the ship December 1st. Yep. Well, it was kind of like a family thing going on. What they did was with the Celebrity Ascent, they have two co-captains that are brothers. Okay. Two different. Okay. Yes, they're brothers. Okay. It's, um, they're wonderful. They're co-captains, Demetrius and Tassos Cafetis, I think is how they pronounce their name. And they're brothers. Okay. And then what they did was they actually had two co-godmothers that are sisters. Oh, wow. So yes. it's, it's a family affair. It's a family affair. Cindy, it was, but this Cindy, case, it just sounds phenomenal. Just yeah. amazing what you did, too. Yes. Cindy, I appreciate it. We're out of time. Folks, we okay. will see you guys tomorrow for Tuesday, The Michael Duke Show. Well, Cindy, thank you. Uh, that just ticked us right over the top of the hour here. We're, uh, we're, we're done for the day. Thank you so okay. much for your insight. I appreciate that. Yeah. It was, keep in touch, too. Keep yeah. in touch, too. Like I said, Real quick thing, you know, talking about cruises. I know last year you've been there, but anyway, you're there anyway. But anyway, I have a short story published in Chicken Soup for the Traveler's Soul. Jack Canfield's books, right. Chicken Soup Soul yep. books. Yep. I have a short story published in Chicken Soup for the Traveler's Soul. Okay. It's called A Cruise and a Promise. Okay. My story actually began when I sailed on Alaskan cruise on Celebrity Cruises in 1997 on Celebrity Cruises. Okay. The Inside Passage, right? Yes, but I met a young man uh, who's at the same table for dinner who has a wheelchair, right? We joke about business class, says I knew he didn't have his left arm, but he left dinner kind of early. His parents explained what happened. Nine months before he was going back to campus, he stayed at the freeways in California. This 80-year-old woman fell asleep, hit him head on. Right. He's on a motorcycle, had a leather jacket on, helmet on, the whole thing. She fell asleep, hit him head on. They got him to the hospital. They, he, the jack saved his life. They cut the jack off his arm exploded. He would have bled to death. They gave him 20 years of blood. He had emptied his left arm, left leg above the knee. He was very athletic. He was in a coma. He finally fell out bed, woke up. But funny thing is, they, his parents brought him on the ship to celebrate. He's going back to finish his green business. He had 12 classes to go. But funny thing is, he was in the hospital. His parents gave him for his birthday in December. Before that, too. But they, his mother turned to him and says, Oh, Mike, 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 you've lost so much weight. <laughs> he turns to dead pants and says, Well, Mom. I said I'm going to crash diet. Oh, geez. <laughs> but anyway, no, I got every port. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he was in a he, but he was very athletic, right? He did did the flight helicopter thing. They had to hop into the the helicopter, but I found out to raise money for his trust fund, raise money for his prosthetic limbs, because his student insurance covered 
Right. And you do soon, anything will moment. Anyway, I got I just got an email from a friend Rick two minutes before his present cyber cruises to thank that letter sent to him. He says, Cindy, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate, call me. Okay. I'm on their ship. Young man needs some help, right? So I got back. I sent Rick a letter with pictures of Mike. Okay. And I got a letter, I got a phone call two weeks later. They want to donate a cruise to his trust fund. And I connect with his parents. That raised over $25,000 for his trust fund, raised money for his prosthetic leg. And then I kept Rick posted and Mike was doing because he had a son and daughter close to Mike's age in college too. And he donated another cruise line, another cruise be donated to raffle off too. And I, I got that three days before Mike's graduation in 1999 in the summer, in June. Right. And then the trade magazines picked up like crazy, but also Chicken Soup was during their trail of slow books. My call, my short story is called The Cruise and a Promise. And of course, it's in Chicken Soup for the Traveler Soul. Nice, nice. And this is Celebrity Cruises that was that was doing all that yes. for, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Rick was present, yeah. But Celebrity Cruises donated it just great because it's called A Cruise and a Promise and Chicken Soup Travel Soul. Yep. All right. Well, Cindy, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for, so much. Thanks for coming on board. It's been good to talk with you. Uh, all right. Well, folks, we are done for today. Tomorrow, Chris Story and uh, Brad Keithley. And uh, then on Wednesday, we'll figure something out. We're going to have some good times. It's going to be good this week. Enjoy yourself. Have a great day. We will see you tomorrow right here on The Michael Duke Show. See you then. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show